Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwater football podcast. Jeremy here, hanging out with Matt. We are back after a uh, yeah, tech issues happen. It's almost summertime. It's getting warm here. So we're glad, to, glad, glad you can hear from us again. MWR.com is our website where you can find specifically what we're talking about today. Matt did a great work of ranking, as we just discussed before, not the top player, but Matt, the depth of all these positions, position groups. And we'll go through the the good one, not the good one. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But the uh, ones that most people are interested in, I'd say, the offense essentially. That's fair. That's my opinion, but yeah. but we're not going to leave you high and dry. I mean, you do all this work, offensive line, defense. We'll get to it. But what we're going to get to, like, what was your thinking? So you kind of put this together. You were what? Is it? Should I say a hundred percent? You did all this, or was it like a ninety-seven percent? You got some input from somebody else. Basically, I mean, your I, own work, doing everything. I had, so I had research, way obviously. too much time on my hands. So, yeah, this is just uh, – it was it was sort of a thought exercise that I would just was interested in taking a closer look beyond sort of the simple power rankings that we tend to do, which I think is an important distinction to make. You know, the, the series of articles that I came out with about a week ago at this point, mm-hmm. not a power ranking, but a ranking of depth at each position group. And – yeah, I think I don't know that I necessarily learned anything that I wasn't expecting to learn, but I think I, you know, when I started it, it was still in the sort of the first half of the spring, like in, I would say in late March when, you know, a number of teams were either, you know, wrapping up uh, spring practice or, um, you know, in some cases, you know, getting spring practice started, like, you know, the, the, the second wave of teams like Wyoming wow. and, and all those teams. And so I think being able to sort of wait and see what happened throughout the spring ended up being sort of useful. Um, if, if only because, you know, the transfer portal as, as, as I'm sure nobody is, is shocked to hear that it's still very active. So, you know, where I had sort of penciled in, for example, a guy like Solomon bird along the Wyoming defensive line, uh, oh, you know, just recently. Yeah. He transferred. He's, he's at US. Well, he was at Georgia tech and now he's at USC. Um, and, and that's just one example, you know, like there were even, you know, more sort of minor things like, you know, one of the Nevada quarterbacks, Drew Scolari decided to, to, to retire after a year. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, big developments, small developments, and and to sort of see how spring shook out for some of the questions that, you know, some teams in the conference came into the season with. Um, you know, some teams might still be, uh, you know, feeling some things out. Some teams might feel a lot better about where they're at. Case in point, I think, you know, a lot of Aztecs fans can feel really good about Braxton Burmeister sort of solidifying his spot uh, as the starting quarterback. So it was sort of a, a deep dive into just sort of where everybody stood in terms of like proven depth in particular. And I think that's where, you know, if you look at the, the overall rankings that I sort of used as a culmination for this entire thing, you know, that's where you might see some teams rank a little lower than you might expect. Um, I know that some of our followers on Twitter at MWC wire were wondering, you know, why Utah state was sixth, for example, um, why Fresno state was fourth. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of that just has to do with some, you know, some lingering questions rather than like a lack of ability. I think that's a very important difference to, to point out, like, you know, for my part, you know, the one question that I have, and I think that Utah state is maybe the, the, the ironically, the perfect example of this is they're having to replace a lot on their defense. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, all, they're also having to replace, you know, guys like, you know, Derek Wright and, and Devin Tompkins, but I think Justin Rice. Yeah. Justin Rice. Yeah. yeah. Nick Henninger, uh, Shaq Bond, Bond right? and, and, you know, three, four, five other guys, Marlon Moore, um, you know, Kevin Metzenheimer, like they're replacing a lot. And so, you know, I, I basically wrote out in the article, I was like, what does the ranking mean? I was like, well, if, if, if Utah State taught us anything, it's probably <laughs> nothing, you know, that's, right. you know, it's one thing to sort of parse it out in writing and it's another thing to see it on the field. And so I, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of like any team being doomed as potential contenders or anything like that. Yeah. I think it just means more than anything that there's still some things to work out heading into the fall. Yeah, and it's true. Like, we just I got Utah State's up here. Like I asked you about before we started running back Calvin Ty- Calvin Tyler. He was leading the conference and rushing midway through the year, and he was their best running back. And then he kind of fell off. I think an injury of sorts. But you have the ninth. But you remind me, it's, well, it's not just him. It's who's behind him. And there's not a ton. Well, and it's not. It's and again, but again, it's not that there's not a ton. Yeah, well, I meant proven, I guess, right? Yeah, the but I, because, you know, and that, you know, that's uh, what John Gentry and uh, Palake Makakona. Um, oh, both yeah. of those, and both of those guys have, have flashed potential, but, you know, T- Tyler is very clearly the guy. And if those guys can, you know, take another step forward behind him as sort of role players, then, you know, if I were to rerun this exercise in December or something like that, there's a chance they'd be closer to the middle of the pack or something like that. But it, it, so, in a lot of respects, it's sort of a wait and see kind of thing, rather than a, a, a doom and gloom kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point. Like they're keeping. I just had them up here, so I'll continue with them. They're number one at quarterback, even though they lost Andrew Pizzo to Wyoming, but Logan Bonner really good, and Andrew Lagan in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Look what he did against Oregon State. So they have the some proven. De- even if they, well, they'd be number one regardless if Pizzo didn't transfer. But with, with Lagan there and what Bonner did, like that makes sense. They have guys who've done it playing in the field, so. It's good to, to just make a distinction where, yes, you have talent back, but who's maybe your number two or number three, who's played and who hasn't played. And it's not necessarily, oh, returning production, but it's a little bit, but it's more of a, it's kind of a, you're right. Some of it's wait and see some of it. Oh, we know these guys are good and we expect them to be good next year, mm-hmm. which is why certain positions are where they're at. So I think, yeah, Utah State is like, well, they're six overall. It's like, well, 
defense has to get better. Wyoming is interesting here. We'll just kind of go in order here because they lost. I talked to uh, my radio show work on Ryan Thorburn from the trib.com. Mm-hmm. mentioned they lost. This is, I guess it includes Solomon Bird because he went to Georgia Tech, which is a P5 school. In name only, I'll add at the moment just because, you know, it's Georgia Tech. But <laughs> he mentioned like they lost four to six guys to Power Five. Like Isaiah, or, and what's his, oh, the receiver, um, yeah, Isaiah, Texas, yep. blew, blew up in their spring game. Mm-hmm. And so they lose all these guys. Yes, they got some in, but the new quarterback, loser running back who's at Arizona State, Xavier Valley, but they still have some other guys back there. I guess part of, I guess you, I'm not going to speak for you, but the reasoning for being where they're at, because Craig Bull has a reputation for defense. And despite their defense here, you have, like they're back seven essentially, or whatever linebacker secondary, seventh in the conference, D line top four. But overall, they have, I guess, is it, am I interpreting properly? They have enough high level, like running back product, um, previous experience from coaching and all that type of stuff to keep them in that top half. Yeah. I mean, just for them. Yeah. Like everything I read about, you know, the spring, their, their spring practice season and their spring game in particular made me think that Cowboys fans have, a lot of reasons to feel optimistic about the new faces where, you know, a lot of outside observers may not be overly familiar with them uh, out the gate. And it sort of served as a reminder that like, you know, what happens in December and then what happens in the three or four months after that are, can be two very different things. So, you know, with, with a team like Wyoming, it seems like, you know, they, they've taken a step in the, in the right direction as far as solidifying the quarterback with the aforementioned Andrew Peasley. Um, you know, yes, they lost Xavier Valade, but on a per carry basis, and I think I wrote this, um, Titus Swen was better last year than Valade was. Parts of yeah, parts of the year he was. Yeah, he'd be better later on. And while there's still a lot of unknowns in the, in sort of the wide receiver pass catching core outside of Joshua Cobbs, you know, they seem to find, you know, two or three guys who are six two, six three who can stretch the field and go down and, and get those, you know, deep shots that they like to take in that offense. So, you know, with that. Um, with, you know, decent health luck along the offensive line, I think, you know, that's a sort of a, a tricky thing to navigate too, because they are replacing, a, a, you know, I believe a trio of starters. Um, a lot. Yeah. And, and they have, you know, a lot of experience to sort of step up into those roles, but they need those guys to stay healthy to really be as competitive as they can be. And then on defense, like you said, does it, it, it may have looked bad in December to lose as many players as they did on that side of the ball. But it seems like, you know, even though they didn't bring in that many guys from the transfer portal, you know, what, what Craig Bull has done when he has dipped his toes into those waters seems like he seems to have a habit of making it count. Exactly. So like, you know, Ja'Cory Hawkins going out and having a really good spring game. Uh, you know, Darren Harrell also has, you know, previous starting experience. And we'll talk more about this when we get into the team previews over the summer. But long story short, I think, you know, you know, with Wyoming, and I think to maybe, you know, to some extent, you could say the same thing about teams further down, like Nevada and like Hawaii, that, you know, maybe we know a little less about what the Wolfpack and the Warriors are ultimately going to look like. Um, but, you know, you never know. And, and it seems like, you know, for as, as, as despairing as it might have seemed to lose so much personnel in like the first week or two of the offseason, like these teams are maybe in better shape, you know, to, so that way nobody should be out there thinking, oh, we're only going to win one game this year. We're only going to win two games this year. You know, both, yeah, you know, all, yeah. all three of those teams have brought in some interesting pieces, you know, like, you know, Nevada's got to have a, a quarterback competition on his hands. I didn't count Shane Illingworth 
in the initial rankings simply because he wasn't actually part of the roster yet. But now that he is, you know, again, that's another thing we'll talk about more at length later. But, you know, he's a, he's a pretty interesting quarterback prospect. You know, Zach Cox looked, you know, solid, uh, you know, throughout spring. You know, same thing with, you know, Hawaii and Braden Shager seemed to put, you know, a little bit of separation uh, between himself and, and Cam and Cooper. And, you know, those are just a couple of examples. Like, you know, every team did a little something, I think, especially with the transfer portal. And and I think as we get into the summer and into the fall, you, you know, fans are going to learn a lot more about the new arrivals than they're probably familiar with right now. Very true. One thing that surprised me, and kind of go that way, was Air Force. Not that I don't expect them to get, but you have the number two overall for the combined rankings. And, and that's even with them losing one of their main receivers in Jordan Jackson, who's with the uh, New Orleans Saints at the moment. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback, like running back, no brainer number one. QB, Hazeek Daniels, he's good, but it's like who's behind him? Essentially, it's like that's kind of your. It's kind of, it's like when I did the quarterback rankings, it's sort of did. It's like it's not necessarily a starter, but yeah, air, I, I tended to err on the side of caution. Yeah, that makes sense because there's good quarterbacks. You have Logan Bonner, you have Bachbar, you have Jay Kaner, you have uh, um, Shavon Cordero at San Jose State will be pretty good. Mm-hmm. You have all these guys, and I made a mistake because Cooper Lega, not. Angela got out for Utah State. But there's there's pretty good quarterback depth. And Air Force quarterback, it's also hard to judge because it's a different type of offense. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, just move it well. But then, like, their offensive line is always good. Receiving tight end, why were they kind of – where did you put them at because of what they lost? How did they come to be, like, a top third unit? So, they of course, they did lose Brandon Lewis. Um, mm-hmm. And and. Other than that, though, like when, of course, they're not a, they're not a passing offense, but yeah. they but they bring back basically everybody else. Like if Kyle Patterson is healthy, that's going to be a plus for them. Uh, you know, Dean Kinnaman is back. DeAndre Hughes yeah. averaged eight yards carry last year. Um, so for for everything that that offense does, which is which is different from the other teams that are up there in the rankings with them, like this is a unit that is you know other than Lewis is returning pretty much intact. And so, like I said, they are pass catchers that have strengths in the traditional sense, but it's a group of pass catchers going into next fall that, you know, is, is deep. And for what they do is, is, is pretty good and also proven in my opinion. And there'll be that guy who steps up who has what Lewis did or Jalen Robinette or guys in the past where they're getting 75 yards a game, but get like four catches, Mm -hmm. three to four catches. Yeah. And so they'll make a move. So it's, it's also a little bit of track record in the past and an experienced quarterback who Daniels can throw a little bit and has proven to throw enough for those guys to have, like I said, a couple catches a game, 15 to 25 yards per catch. It's kind of like who is going to be like mentioned Hughes, Kinnaman, Kyle Patterson, tight end, those type of guys, Michael Davis. So we'll see what they can do, but that's kind of interesting. Like they're sandwiched between Colorado state and Boise state. So because right at this moment in time, my number one team is, is Fresno State to win the whole conference. Mm-hmm. They have, and this kind of goes back to overall rankings. You have them sitting at fourth. We had San Diego State, Air Force, and Boise State. Again, not as like a power ranking, but as in production. So let me, okay, let me ask you this because let me before I get that question. You ranked these one through 12. So if I'm correct, you assigned a number and the lowest number was number one. Is that how you did this? Yeah. So like it was very, okay. it was, you know, to pull back the curtain a little bit, it was very crude math. So basically I took each of the position rankings, added them up, whichever number was lowest was number one, which is Boise State. Um, so that's why, and, and I think if you, if you do the math yourself, 
you'll see that there's not a lot of separation between the top teams. And, and the main difference between, you know, the Bulldogs and the three teams ahead of them is that, um, you know, I, I would say right now they have the biggest questions on special teams, uh, which more or less has to do with their kicker more than their punter, Carson King. Um, you know, cause we just need to know like how well, you know, a guy like Abraham Montano is going to be able to replace Cesar Silva. So, you know, other people might have different opinions. They might be a little more optimistic. And, and if that's the case, then, you know, you might bump them up ahead of the Aztecs or flip two yeah. or teams, you know, two or three teams further down. And I don't think I would fight you on it. Everybody's going to have different perspectives on these things. Because it's also, yeah, with the crude math, just because it's one through whatever, because another way I look at it, not like just outsider, because you did all this is all I knew for the math and everything, which is fine. Your rankings are seem to be, in line with most people would have, you can always quibble here and there. There's also like the differences where, oh, but the, like, let's take a quarterback. There's a big difference between who San Diego State's trying out there and Jay Kaner, who, if things go really well and they beat USC, could be like a Heisman Dark Horse guy, or at least get in. There's a big difference between, say, the running back or de- a defensive position like D line at San Diego State compared to the D line at Air Force or something like that. Yeah. And so that's your math is fine. It's just, it's hard to do. It's like, okay, who's, good based on this metric and so like i'm not gonna quibble like the top four and even probably including the state because they won last year they could all win the league boise San Diego state air force state, fresno utah state uh, who'd you have five i don't have it in front of me utah state six which was wyoming? I, I had wyoming um, five. sorry okay i'm trying to look back here i i don't know how much i put them in overall like again as for winning the league they could be surprising some teams but it's it's going to be interesting about all these where everybody's ranked and what's going. So let's go back. Let's go to the quarterback because, you know, as one Twitter fall years ago said, I'm an offensive guy and that's all I care about, which <laughs> yeah, totally wrong, but just say, right? Who doesn't like offense? But like the, when we mentioned the quarterback position, it's really good. You have, you mentioned Daniels, Jake Kane or Logan Bonner, Hank Bachmeyer. If that offensive line stays, gets going and doesn't have seven different lineups in the first eight weeks, if George Shalani's healthy, I don't care if they lost Pillow Shakir. He could be the best quarterback in the conference. There, like, there's four guys that legit could be player of the year. Shavon Cordero could be a dark horse type guy because of all the talent that San Jose State get. If he's healthy, receivers should come in like Elijah Cooks, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah Hamilton, stuff like that. It's like they have potential, man, to be there. So I have a question for a quarterback situation. Okay. I'm going through it again now. Um, I know it's by depth. And I know we got excited last year at times when this team was had the uh, rotating door of quarterbacks. I know, you, I know who you're talking about. The fighting rebels of Las Vegas, Nevada. What the hell are how they for? What is your thinking behind that? I I think <laughs> okay. <laughs> so each of the three guys that is in the quarterback competition right now: Cameron Friel, Doug Brumfield, Harrison Bailey, and again. And there's huge difference between making. There's a huge difference between picking the one guy, and having three guys who could theoretically do the job. So I like oh, the their right I like their depth more than a lot of other teams in the conference as well because you know Friel had a lot of moments last year. I think you know his his biggest problem was being a little turnover prone here and there. But uh, you know he was he was what a redshirt freshman, uh, so, and and yeah. so was so was Brumfield. You know in in. It's. I think it's a good thing that you know Marcus Arroyo and the rest of that staff was able to talk him out of going into the transfer portal, um, because you know, like they, 
they had a hard time. And I, I think I always think back to the Arizona state game in particular, where they had a very hard time kind of keeping up with the Sun Devils in that game. But there were some, you know, nice drives early on where, you know, they gave him time to throw. He looked crisp. He was, you know, took some shots. Uh, and he's a tough runner, which I think is the advantage that he has over, over both of the guys in that, in that competition. And when you look at, you know, what Bailey did in his sort of abbreviated time at, at uh, Tennessee, you know, I would say he, he held his own as a true freshman. Um, and granted, small sample caveats apply all over the place here because, you know, Bailey, I think, started three games with the Vols, if I'm not mistaken. Brumfield only had a couple starts. And, of course, Friel started most of the year, but not all of it. But I think, you know, if you if you want to take the optimist's point of view and assume that a Royal makes the right choice, like, you know, if he does that, then, you know, UNLV could make a leap. And that's sort of what I'm thinking. That's sort of what I was thinking about when I put them where they were, which was fourth overall. I do remember because they did a show shine, but I also remember last year all the, the adrenaline carried them through when they all started their second week. Because I remember, I think, was it uh... – I don't remember which order, but like Brumfield, Freel, and Rogers at some point mm-hmm. came into play and had a great game, whatever game that was. They came in like in relief the next week. I'm like, they're going to fall off because of teams didn't prepare for them because a different guy. I Oh, the backup comes in. We're going to go make all these plays and do stuff, which they did well, which is good. Fresno State, San Diego State, all those one position games we're in there. And I think it is a big choice for Royal. It's like, who's the right guy to be quarterback? Is it the transfer Bailey, the Brumfield or Freel? So I guarantee for real, for real is going to transfer after fall camp because one of them is not going to be named starter and they're going to transfer, which is unfortunate. I I would seem, uh, I wouldn't say for certain, but I would put a high probability of likelihood uh, since they're both a young guy, one's going to be the loser of the job is going to leave. And that happens and it's part of the game or whatever. But like, overall, like they, they aren't on the, like, let's put it this way. They aren't, they aren't on the same tier of quarterback depth as a team like Utah State. But they might be the only other team in the Mountain West that has three good options to start at quarterback. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I guess I have Levi Williams from from they made the quarterback trade. Wyoming, That's State, right. Utah State, and he yeah. So yeah, though no, that makes complete sense for Aggies being number one. As and yeah, yeah, I can see him a little bit better in Fresno just because the three guys have all started or played in significant games. I mean, I can readily admit that I might be a little bit bullish, you know. And I think you know we may not talk about it as in depth. But I sort of take a similarly rosy take with their linebackers as well, and that's even without Jacoby Winman. Yeah, so maybe I think, I think their linebacker, I think their linebacker unit also has the chance to be really, really good this year. Because we talked about they had I wish I had in front of me, but four what did that four to six, eight one position games, all losses. Yeah, like these are Washington, Fresno State, San Diego State, all these close games they lost, but they're within one touchdown and two point conversion. Yeah. They could have for those are a bull team, I think, if that if my math is right. So yeah, yeah, I believe so. They're 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 a team. Well, again, we'll get to all the previews sometime the road, but they the only issue part of the issue is finding the quarterback and the new coaching staff they had to scramble together after losing a couple guys during spring camp. Mm-hmm. Like I lost a guy to the what Raiders in Arizona State, I believe. Some yeah. offensive coaching staff. And then also, you know, the defense and replacing Charles Williams. And it gets us to running back. Williams was the guy, and they're dead last in the running back position grouping you have at 12. It's not a shock. Like if Spartans 11 losing, like they do, they bring back Kai Robinson, but he was never like, he see, he seems to be a guy for the Spartans where he shows potential, what he can do, but he never seems to do it. Like Tyler Nevins, he he was out last year. Robinson didn't really 
step up to take that role and be very good. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird one. Lobos, who knows, man? Sorry, I'm just saying. Well, they got oh, they got <laughs> Nate Jones back, which I think is, a, you know, yeah. if you remember what he did during sort of the end of the COVID year uh, back in 2020, again, but, you know, showed some promise. But again, there's a lot, uh, a lot of uh, unproven depth behind him. You know, Peyton Dixon looked nice in the last year's season finale. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you're asking, you know, pretty much everybody in that running back rotation to take on a little more, which we don't know how well they're going to be able to take that on yet. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, and then they lost uh, Aaron Dumas last in the portal, which is oof, brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Aggies, like we mentioned already, Calvin Tyler Jr. Hawaii, guys like D.D. D- D- Hunter's gone, right? To us, they lose them. They lost them in midseason as well, but they, a lot of, um, mostly, again, this is kind of the theme, unproven depth. Did, did, uh, Dedrick Parson, yeah, he did all right. He's very, mean, like, he's very good. Yeah, he, he'll be good. I, I should start. I'm very good. Calvin Tyler, or Calvin, excuse me, Calvin Turner, and then Didi Hunter. Like, he was kind of buried, but when he, if I recall, I don't have his numbers are farty, but he's like per carry or per play or per touch was pretty good. Yeah. Let's see if he can keep that up going with the being the guy getting. We'll see what Timmy Ching does the offense. If he gets 15, touch, 15 to 20 touches a game, if that can come out. Um, I don't know. Yet. I'm. Going three towards kind of blame, but you got Fresno State obviously losing um, Ronnie Rivers, who's with the Cardinals, right? Inside that is correct. Deal, Arizona, Nevada to Atala. Why is Nevada? Nevada seems it would be tough slow because you got Devontae Lee and Toatawa. What was their reason going to be middle of the pack? Is it Devontae Lee not great because we kind of had some expectations for him? No, it's 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 nothing about the individuals in there. I know. I think. I know, but I, they I, got two guys. I think they're pretty solid. That's what I'm wondering. The third and fourth guys are just nothing or not proven anything yet. Well, I, and I think I wrote this too. Like neither of them were as effective on a per carry basis as they were the year before. So like they're 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 pretty well established as like a one two punch. But you know if if you wanted to like give me for example you know Swen and and, and Daiwan McNeely in Wyoming, I think that I would probably take that that duo. Um, you know, seven days out of seven in a week. Gotcha. So what well, like what group surprised you out of your top when you're going through this? Because was it Wyoming be number three? Because that seems kind of high for me. You see any of the state losing Greg Bell, but they always have depth there. Like who I would say for me, I guess Nevada being there where it at. That was a quick question. What's up with the question mark for David Bailey? Is he not on the roster or What's the first CSU? He, he was on the roster, but when I was doing research for the rankings, it seemed like it was up in the air as to whether he was going to stick around. And as we're recording this, he's still on the roster. So I'm I'm okay. sort of foreseeing that he will be there. But, you know, the, the trick okay. for, for that particular ranking with the Rams uh, running back in particular is you know, we're going to find out very quickly how well those running backs can cast passes, which was something that they didn't really – get to do under Steve Adazio. <laughs> no. All right. Just curious about that. Um, Wyoming seems high. What's I like Wyoming's running backs. I know we, we briefly discussed and lost to validate Arizona state. We talked about Titus Swen being 
as good or better than Valade last year. But like Dewan McNeely, DK James, eh, I you say no problem. I spring game, yes, they did well. And we'll see. And here's the thing too, like Craig Bull, not going back to quarterback stuff, but I remember the first quote one of our buddies in our group DM, whatever, meant, I don't know if it's Jesse or whoever, somebody put in there like, hey, here's Craig Bull's quote about quarterbacks. I'm like, this could be a quote for many years. He's been Wyoming, quarter, Wyoming coach. We're going to sling the ball around. But it does come back to running backs because all they do is basically Craig Bull is a better version of Steve Adazio in every sense. They have – he has a better shaved head. He, he's a better-looking guy. They want to do the same offense and run the ball all they, all they can. They want to throw the receivers, if possible, out there. He's what Steve Adazio desires to be, essentially, in my opinion. But I – maybe it's just my bias – not bias, but my perception of what they can be. They seem to have just one guy, and so – It's a lack of familiarity. I can tell you there that. There could be that. No, no, it's possible. That's why I think three for me would be a bit. I high. think it's I think it's very likely that they go three deep the exact same way that they did last year with with Swin, uh, Valade and and Trey Smith. Let's not forget about him. You know, he's at a mini camp with the Jacksonville Jaguars now. It's true. Yeah, but I think that it, it's very easy to envision, you know, McNeely and James taking on bigger roles and just giving that same level of depth to the Cowboys running game that we've seen for like, you know, basically every, every year that Craig Bull has been there. Okay. All right. So let's get to re- let's get to receivers and tight ends really quick. Don't move on to our other topic here. Okay. Uh, not, I'm not going to do what I did go through each one. We know Wyoming lost a couple guys. We know Nevada transferred to CSU. New Mexico, I'm, as I'm going through the list right now, the receiving group to me seems – Aztec 7? I, I, okay, here's what I'm getting at. I'm sorry, I'm going through. I, I never, I did, here's a little secret. I didn't look at the wide receiver group too much beforehand. I'm kind of doing it on the fly, seeing my real reaction, what's, what the deal is. Okay. Now that would be fake if I did it. But you're not wrong going through what's on this list here. I'm, for the top – bottom, bottom six, Hawaii – I think Hawaii, they're low, and it's exactly what you're saying. We don't know what they have, but their offense, they're not going to finish 12. Like if we, if you revisit this, revisit this like in December or even midseason around Halloween, they would probably be in the top half because I expect, and you probably feel the same way, they're going to pass a lot, and there'll be some guy who step up who does something like what Jared Smart did or some of these other guys have done. Yeah, and and again, it's it, it has more to do with a, a maybe a lack of familiarity with and but which is not to say that they have like zero experience coming back. You know, Zion Bowen seems to be like a really interesting prospect. You know, again, small samples, but he's averaged what twenty three yards a catch in his career. Only seventeen yeah. catches, but that's not nothing. You know, for a team that that is likely to throw the ball around quite a bit. You know, the fact that you know they have him, they have Jonah Pinoke, and then it seems like, you know, some guys at least establish themselves as an option to maybe be a part of the rotation. You know, one guy that I believe he had three touchdowns in the spring game, Tamatoa Mokiao Atimalala. <laughs> That's about, I'm probably gonna have to say that again, one or two more times when we get to the Hawaii preview later in the summer, but you know, he, if they can, you know, find a couple of guys to operate inside, then I think that that Bowens and Panoke are maybe in a, in a, the best position to handle, you know, outside duties. And that might be all they need. So again, it's, it's, it's not that they don't have the personnel to, to make the offense work. It's just that they're sort of, sort of putting it together. Like, you know, who, who's going to end up doing what and, and who's going to take on the lion's share of the work. No, that makes a lot of sense. So overall, one, one other, other area of team I'm looking at here, air force kind of briefly discussed them. It's a little, for me, a touch tie. It's just kind of like who. So you mentioned you mentioned very briefly San Diego State. 
Yeah, let's go back to the Aztecs. What do you got for them? Because their new quarterback will play a big deal of how much they'll throw because they've got guys in the NFL. Daniel Bellinger tied in with the uh, Giants, I believe. So here's the, here's the thing about the Aztecs, which I think is very easy to forget year after year. It's not like they don't have talent at wide receiver. Like that's never ever been the case. It's just they don't throw that often. Which is why I've, yeah, I've been saying for a couple of years now that Jesse Matthews was one of the more underappreciated players anywhere in the conference. And then in the second half of last year, like that was, he was laying out his best case for, for why that was yeah. down the stretch last year. But, but it also seemed like, you know, the other guys that could step up in the offense, like Tyrell Shavers and Breon Penny in particular, made big strides throughout the spring. So while I don't think anybody's going to go out there and confuse them for, you know, a, a pass first offense like a Fresno State or, or Boise State, it's looking more and more like they've got three guys that they can count upon when they need to make a play. So even though they might, you know, they, they might remain a, 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 a ball control offense, um, you know, more, you know, methodical than explosive or anything like that. It seems like, you know, Matthews, Shavers, and Penny at a minimum can be that trio to give them exactly what they need. Well, we'll see. I just, you're right. That's like, will they, the percentage of the, uh, it's almost like the Air Force offense a little bit, the one receiver who does really good. Yeah. Like Matthews is a great example. He had, was it five or six touchdowns the final couple games last year? Mm -hmm. It's, will they, again, if I I say it's a million times, (laughs) it's probably a broken record if you listen to the show for years. Like, Give them a quarterback who's ten percent better, or just a little bit better, and they would be—they're already almost dominated the conference. Their past decade, five years minimum, and near the top of the league and winning the conference. If they had a quarterback, they have reason behind you can't see. They would literally be like the best team in the conference all the time if they were to throw the ball a little bit more and get a quarterback. Because who wants to go to an offense and get us more preview stuff? But why do I why why do I want to go be a quarterback or receiver where we're going to hand the ball off and play strong defense? Guys want to showcase your skills, man. Your receiver, I'm not going to San Diego State. Just say until they prove and open it up, I'm I'd rather go somewhere else. Like if you're telling me to pick schools like a Mac school that throws the ball a lot or San Diego State, yeah, we might win 10 games, but I'm getting 40 passes thrown my way a whole season. That's you know, you know you know why I don't think they mind? They win? They win. Yeah, but if you want to go to the next level and stuff, I'm just saying there's I'm not saying every player is like that, but if there's a guy who wants to be out there, thinks he's good enough and that great, he would like the opportunity. It's like, why are your wide receiver going to, uh, to well, I guess when Georgia Tech ran the option, why are you going to a big time school that runs the option if you're a receiver? You're not. You, you would rather go somewhere else to get your opportunities. There's reason to go to San Diego State for a receiver. It's a great place to live. They're a winning program. But if you have more aspirations, you may reconsider a team that may not be as good because you'll get more chances to showcase your skills. You say oh, that you say fun. that you say that like Daniel Bellinger didn't just get drafted. I know they'll find you, but I'm just I'm just point. saying they've had like they've had like three tight, they've hey. had like three tight ends drafted in the last decade, and they've had at least one receiver I can think of, Bryce Butler, who got drafted too. So know, they, they, they must be yeah. they must be doing something right. I I I know it's it goes both ways. I get it. I'm just saying you're an offensive guy. It's okay. <laughs> I know I am, but I'm just saying I want if I'm I want the opportunities. Because it's it's okay. Here's a good example too. This is also kind of the San Diego area. Alex Smith went to University of Utah. Heisman finalist, played very well. Number one overall draft pick. You're familiar with the Niners and what mm-hmm. he's done. And I got fun stories I can tell you off air about him that they're kind of weird. But he played with Reggie Bush. What do you do if you have Reggie Bush? You hand the ball off every time. Nobody knew how good he was until he went to Utah. And the only reason he got to play at Utah was when the starting quarterback got injured in game one and he took over. 
I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy can play football. He throws the ball when he showcases your skills. I'm just saying, if you're a guy, and I'm not saying receivers get that diva label, but I'm just, my point being, you're not going to be in a, maybe this is a better way to put it, Matt. If I'm an elite receiver, well, relatively to the talent San Diego, San Diego State can get in the Mountain West, I'm not saying five star, I mean, elite, elite of the top of the top, a top mm-hmm. 10 receiver overall. But if you're a guy who has offers between San Diego State, Cincinnati, Washington State, like teams that are top top 35 teams in the country, and you're in basically your 20 to 40 type range player, where if you go to this school, if you're going to Iowa State or Oklahoma State or San Diego State, where would you rather go to showcase your skills? Probably a team that's going to throw a bit more. Like I know Oklahoma State won the Big 12 and is really good, but if it's Oklahoma State a couple years ago, they're about a top 25 team, top 20. It's like, yeah, I'd rather go play in the Big 12 where I know I'm going to get more chances to showcase my talent. Okay, so, so, teams will find you. so let me throw out a, what I think is a counter-argument. Go for it. That's what I'm here for. So, so think about Boise State mm-hmm. going into this year. What, and, I, and, I, and I had them at fifth overall in these, in these pass catcher rankings in particular. Because mm-hmm. they – because like San Diego State, like they've got a legion of three-star guys. Like I, I didn't even get to list everybody that's a three-star guy that they have on the roster uh, as far as guys that I thought would be the major contributors. But, you know, their, their question coming into 2022 is, okay, well, Khalil Shakir is gone. Who's going to step up? I think it's, it's reasonable to have a, a pretty good feeling about Stefan Cobbs. But, oh, yeah. I mean, other than that, like you sort of like, yeah, they've got all these options, but like, how is it going to shake out? Like well, the it, difference, Boise throws the ball. Aztecs don't throw the ball. That's no, but, he, but see, here's the thing. Like is, <laughs> is, and I guess we could talk about this more like later, but is it going to be an <laughs> offense that funnels itself through one guy? Like it has for most of, of their recent history or, yeah. or is it going to be an offense that's a lot closer to what it was like in 2018 where they didn't have a thousand yard receiver that year, but they had, you know, five, five, six guys that had at least 25 catches. You know, that wasn't something that they had last year. They had, you know, three guys with, with 30 catches. Khalil Shakir had, had double what everybody else on the, on the staff had. And that was the case in 2020 as well. So I'm not saying they have a main guy, but I'm saying your, your chances to prove yourself to get opportunities are less for a team that doesn't throw as often. That's where I'm ultimately getting at. But I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, they have all these options. But it's not necessarily a given that a lot of guys are going to step up and, and seize oh, larger roles. No, you're not wrong. I'm just like this past year, I San Diego State threw the ball 361 times. And if we go to the Nevada, which is Jane Revelle, maybe CSU, 572, or if we look at Fresno State, 514, they have all these guys, Cropper and other receivers out there. All my point being, these guys could be good. Like Jesse Matthews, legit good player. Dallin Bellinger in the NFL, good player get chances it's just that some guys want the ball and if you want the ball i'm not going to san diego state but for i may what, not for I mean, what for what the aztecs offense does that that trio of guys who are likely to be a top they're good. chart they're yeah. going to give they're going to give the aztecs exactly what they need and, and in that way and and so again it's it's just like we talked about with with air you. force earlier like it's I, it's I not it's not traditional but it no, works not, for them no, it works for them, but I'm just talking about the individual player. And this is going away off topic of what I want to get to. But I'm just saying, if I want, if I'm a guy who wants to, oh, I've said it a million times, I want to catch the ball. If I'm really good, why would I go to San Diego State? I'm just saying, not that they don't have talent to produce talent, 
I would just rather go somewhere. Like right now, I'd want to go to Colorado State, play with Jane Norvell, right? I'd want to go to Hawaii to see what Timmy Chang does. I'd want to go to Utah State with Blake Anderson and Logan Bonner throwing the ball. Um, Jay, Fresno State with Tedford, what he does. I w- if I'm that good of a receiver and I'm choosing between Fresno and San Diego State, if I'm choosing between Boise and San Diego State, Utah State, San Diego State wide receiver, Aztecs wouldn't be my number one team. If that's true, if that, that if it's that particular player's goal to get those chances. Okay. That's all I'm getting at. They're, they're, the production, it's like the, you're right there for comparison. The percentage of what they do, like the tar- target shares and opportunities they get, if the, who's, who's to say if they were to get 15% more passing, or I mean, the percentages go up to how many more times they throw the ball, if they would keep that way? Maybe, maybe not. I'd probably lean toward yes, because if you're good, you're good. But I'm just, if you look at the individual player, they do what the Air Force, San Diego State wants to do. And they have to be particular about who they want. I'm just, I, it sounds like I'm hating standing in the state. I'm not. Feel I'm, free to feel free to direct your ire to at Jeremy Moss on uh, Twitter.com. Aztec fans are always are always or at the moment don't like me anyways for some reason, whatever. I'm I'm just saying, if I'm a top recruit receiver and those are my choices, um, I may not choose the Aztecs. But if you like the beach, you like the weather, heck yeah, go there. If you're choosing Pullman or San Diego, it's hard to go to Pullman, man. Just that's that's such a choice you to make, right? Mm-hmm. So you have number one. And number two, Fresno, San Jose State. San Jose State will go with them. They bring in Elijah Cooks from Nevada. If he can be healthy, really good. Hamilton, who's we've had expectations. Their depth is what keeps him that high. Yeah. And then Fresno State, kind of the same thing, but they have depth and, excuse me, depth and potentially the best receiver in a conference in Jalen Cropper as well. Yeah. So really, really good. And the best quarterback, in my opinion, for, and Jay Keener as well. Anything to add there, or is that just going to sum it up? Because we used all our time on San Diego State. No, I mean, I think it's, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like, when in doubt, like, I I prioritized depth that I thought could be relied upon just based off of past precedents, which is why, you know, I I think this exercise, it, it, it taught me a lot, especially about, like, who to keep an eye on. You know, and, and we've, brought, we've obviously brought up a few names throughout, you know, the course of this conversation, you know, like, like McNeely uh, and James at Wyoming, you know, like a guy like a guy like Charles Ross at San Jose State, who, you know, he might be the, the fourth receiver in that offense. But, you know, he's he's still a guy who, who has looked dangerous when given opportunities, you know, him and him and Jermaine Braddock, uh, you know, <laughs> four and five in that depth chart. But still, like they could probably be a starter at a lot of different places in the conference. Um. So, I mean, that is really sort of where the heart of this particular matter came down to. But again, I think that every team, to some extent, has reasons for optimism. It's, you know, every team has some questions going into the fall, but every team, I think, can feel good about what they're building toward, even if they're closer to the bottom of the rankings in this one. And again, it's all kind of a useless thought exercise in the long run anyway, because you still got to go out and prove it on the field. So when you went through this, what was your biggest, like, whoa, holy crap? Like, what surprised you the most? Are we talking about, like, a particular ranking or an overall ranking? Anything in general. Like, what kind of stood out to you when going through all this? I guess if I had to point to anything, like, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of interested in what New Mexico is building. And we haven't talked about them at all. And I think it, it's 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 easy to overlook what the Lobos are building towards just because, you know, they had such really bad injury luck at really key positions last year. And I'm thinking particularly about the quarterback situation. Like if, if they can find a quarterback too, which is, again, is not totally dissimilar from the UNLV question. 
um, you know, that I think could go a long way towards helping them rebound in a lot of different arenas. Like it would take pressure off the running game. You know, it would, it would enable whoever sort of solidifies their hold on that job to grow with what is still a very young pass catching core um, that, you know, has a lot of potential if it can sort of stay together and grow together. I think, you know, maybe as big of a question for the Lobos is the offensive line, um, which is undergoing a pretty substantial shuffle. Like they have a, at least, I think, three or four different starters on this year's line. But if the offense can show any signs of life, like we know the defense is is better than a lot of people realize just because it was, it was facing a lot of really bad situations throughout the entirety of last season. But yeah, so I think I was sort of like, you know, New Mexico's 10th overall and they aren't any better than sixth in any particular position ranking, but it seems like, you know, for all the crash courses that, you know, individually and collectively they went through over the last season or two, if they could stay healthy, like they could sneak up on people. see it's i'd hope so right yeah i mean like i said i like i said at the very beginning i think it we're at a point in the in the off season now where if everybody takes a really close look at what their teams have accomplished like nobody should feel like they're like they have no hope in 2022 let's put it that way right so let's let's uh i think we've exhausted this conversation go check out matt's stuff if you go to our main page mwr.com it's the main article where you put the where you rank the position groups or the overall depth groups, I should say. Yeah. And then at the top you have go quarterback, receiver, punting, kicking, tight end, yeah. receiver. It links to all of them individually. Uh, I should ask you who's going to be the punt king this year? Who's number one? Ooh. Ah. You had one main overall put there. Is there going to be a? Are we going to be talking about punting in Mountain West or is it back to a dismissive as usual for after like two years of? punt greatness well i mean you know it's hard to say because you know it seems like at least in recent years like punters tend to improve year after year pretty steadily so i guess if i were gonna at least throw some names out there um you know stefan cottsonley is a guy who's improved over his first couple seasons at utah state uh you know same with ralph fawas he put together a pretty good freshman year uh last year uh at wyoming so I would say those two, and, and I guess if we're, if we're talking about the Aztecs, you can't overlook a guy like Jack Browning, who maybe has one of the more difficult tasks of any player anywhere in the conference replacing Matt Ariza. But given the track record, it wasn't, it wasn't like the guys before Ariza were, were, you know, were non-factors. You know, Brandon Heiklin was pretty good in his own right. So was Tanner Colgin. And if, and if Browning is on their level, then I think they're going to be just fine. That makes sense. Okay, I was just curious about that. All right, let's move on to our other topic. We'll make okay. this kind of quick. To be, I know that is this a topic you'd like to discuss, or is it just me who wants to get into it every chance I get? With the uh, we're, what we're speaking to is the college football is a complete mess. Name, image, image likeness is becoming the boosters paying guys to play. Where do you stand on this? What do you? I know you, you your pro players getting paid on some level. Do you like what it's turned into? Where last year, uh, we'll get to what happened last year. We knew the. Cavender twins at Fresno State. Now they're at Miami, correct? The Hurricanes? That is basketball. correct, yes. So when they signed up, and we discussed this a lot, so they have a huge following on, online for TikTok and Instagram and stuff. Not really Twitter, but I think they've um, um, upped that once they signed their deals and whatnot. They got 
some pretty big deals like Boost Mobile, some energy drinks, and I know they have their own clothing apparel. They've done a really good job, not just for them getting paid now, but setting them up long-term for business success after they graduate. I, I know they're pretty good. I don't know if they're going to have to go to play professional. Maybe they are. Who knows? But this might be more lucrative, their business and clothing line, than going to overseas or WNBA. Because yeah. just my – yeah, I, I think that's safe to say. So a lot of people felt like – and I was naive a little bit too, where, oh, those get paid doing some ads on social, blah, 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 doing camps, which is true. And there would be like the random car dealership, like the guy from Texas, which – He's getting the Lamborghini deal, the running back there. However, mm-hmm. Matt, if you're a Lamborghini or dealership, you want a 22-year-old kid to, first off, have one of your cars, that even, even though it's their car, or it's maybe a lease or something where you have it while you're at school. Plus, if you're a six-foot – I'm a big guy. I don't like getting in, them in small cars. Would you even want to drive that type of car? Like, that seems like it's cool on the surface, but do you really want a Lamborghini? I don't know. But my point being, now it's basically – these stupid collectives, which are all the boosters not paying the school to get your name on a building to, oh, I'm air quotes, omitting the city and school they're going to go to to get around the stupid laws in place or fake things in place to get them to go to their, their college and they'll insert the name there where they will, they technically own your name image likeness, you get paid, then they basically license your name for other stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you foresee it kind of going that way? I kind of, I felt there'd be some shenanigans, which it seems like, but... Like, what's your thought on kind of how it's going? Because it's not affecting the Mountain West at the moment, really. It's not shenanigans. It's a free market, baby. Well, I'm, I'm not saying shenanigans, but like loopholes and workarounds to the pay-for-play type of deal. That's what I'm getting at. Like, <laughs> well, okay. Well, if, if the NCAA was had had um, yes, any semblance of competency, you. then I think <laughs> you know they they would have avoided this. But I mean, as it is, it's like Correct. you know, and I and I'm pretty sure I've tweeted this before. We've geared our entire society towards get money. So now we're going to get mad about young, predominantly black uh, athletes doing exactly that. And 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 not, and, and better and better yet, boosters willing to foot the bill. Like like, what's the problem with that? I'm not. No, I'm not blaming them. It's all the NCAA because they knew this is coming last year, last July. They did well. There's a law in Florida. There's something in California. Random states, New York, here and there. And then they also cross the fingers and pray. Chris Murray and Mitt Romney are going to make a bill to pass some name image likeness, despite them. You know, as we discussed before. There's a war going on overseas that's impacting people. Stuff's costing more money at the moment. COVID's making a comeback right now, which is, oh boy, don't like to hear that. There's a lot more important things that are on the list. And then Supreme Court stuff going on too. It's like there's a lot more important things going on than, well, let's make sure they're not paying recruits to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like this, a lot of it's unavoidable. Like them say, and then, then last week going, they, new guidelines. I look at it, Matt, the guidelines are the same as before. There's no change to the guidelines. <laughs> and I'm not like guys get money. I'm fine with it. The biggest thing I have concerns about with what are these deals getting set up to these players? Because what's the difference? I know there's a difference here, but bear with me. So say a guy gets a, we've seen deal six figure deals, a $8 million quarterback. We know who it is, but they won't say who it is, even though it's a guy going to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these deals are coming out where, you're getting it's like the kid masterpiece kid it's like a four-year deal he transferred whatever he got a big deal last year those deals like okay you're handing over your basically what you gave the ncaa for free before where you couldn't do anything yes you're getting money back but are those deals on the up and up are they the deals they give to like 
Latin American 14 year old kids playing baseball that screw you going up to the minor league system and you get nothing because, Oh, you're a minor league guy. They hold you back what MLB does for the eligibility or free, whatever, you know, you're more familiar with baseball than me, but yeah. like that extra year before you can get to a, not necessarily free agency, but I guess the, what's it? Service time of service or something. Service time. Yeah. I know service time. About. So where you get, to, like, there's a big deal of like Aaron judge and like Mike Trout a couple years ago. Chris well, Bryant. No, we're going to hold. Yeah, Chris Brown, we're going to hold you back a year and play fewer games so you're technically not getting a full year. Those are things I'm concerned about where they leave it open-ended where, well, this is what it is, and you can't make money anywhere else except for me. That's going to be a problem, but... Do you, do, you ever get the feel, do you ever get the feeling, though, and, and I'm going to apologize to our Nevada writer, Brandon, in, in advance, but do you ever get the feeling that like some of this NIL spending is a lot like the Jaguars giving Christian Kirk $84 million? <laughs> like do you do you think that a it's lot of programs and a lot yeah. of do you think that a lot of boosters are just doing it because it's the first time they could do it above board and so they're just throwing money around like they're the Steinbrenners? One hundred percent one hundred and ten percent. So do you think Ooh. do you think it's reasonable to expect that they're going to learn throughout the process over the next couple of years that here's what obviously yeah. obviously not every prospect pans out. So you know, there's going um, to be inevitably some Jimmy Clausen, some... Jay Keeps, all these guys who we've known yeah, around. So there guys will be some recruits who get like five, six, seven figures who are simply not going to pan out. And and whether that you know curbs the appetite for some boosters to keep bringing those caliber of athletes in, in the future sort of remains to be seen. But I can I can see where you know if it seems crazy now that if we if we look back two, three years from now that it might get a little less insane as people learn sort of how to, I mean, if you want to call it managing the market, because that's what it is. And it's not like, you know, th- when, when players are leaving programs now that they're doing it because they're looking for more money elsewhere. And if you don't believe me, just go look at the, the, the transfer portal article that I'm, that I, I still have to update it for recently, but you know, yeah, a lot of, a lot of players are, they're leaving for, you know, they're leaving for FCS programs. They're leaving for the JUCO ranks. You know, they're leaving because they want to play, not because they're, you know, not because of NIL considerations. And so I think it's easy to Very overlook few are that, doing that. that there are still, all, there's still a lot of reasons for movement beyond the money that is out there now. I think it's, it's really, I think it's really easy to get caught up in sort of the, it the is. And, and I understand the arguments for it. And I think, you know, Chris Murray at Nevada Sportsnet had a, had a really good, take um from from a nevada perspective just because you know it's no secret that they're operating and i think he put it out there that they operate what is it 10 million dollars less than i I forget the exact details he put it out there in in some article or other but you know nevada is not operating on the same financial field as other peers in the the bottom and so like you know that so like he put it out there like if, if carson strong had had the opportunity to cash in on nil would nevada have been able to keep him maybe maybe not like if, if another power five school was offering half a million bucks, I think it was what he put out there. Would strong have been able to stay or would he been, would he have been t- enticed to stay? And obviously like it's a good question. Well, we're never, ever going to know that, but, but I understand where the argument is coming from. And at the same time, I, I think about the mountain West uh, as a whole. And I think, well, okay, we're like, we're never ever going to be better than the sixth most powerful conference in college football anyway. We're never going to be right, better yeah. than like the seventh or eighth best college basketball conference anyway. So what does it, it matter? A team, like, but not a league. Yeah. Like if, if everybody's saying it's ruining parody, well, it's like, well, what else is new? There is no parody to begin with. 
Yeah. You, you sort of have to keep day. it in perspective. <laughs> you sort of have to keep it in perspective and realize, okay, yeah, maybe it's nice to it's nice to sort of wish cast about a near six, you know, bowl game. But if that's happening once every five years, then you know, you need to think smaller. And if you need to think smaller, yeah. then you're not going to be worrying about the money so much. You're going to you because you're still going to be bringing in the caliber of athletes that you want to. You know, you talked about San Diego State earlier not having problems recruiting simply because they're in San Diego, and that's not yeah. going to change because there are no other nope. major programs in San Diego. You know, I don't think Boise State's going to be any less potent about recruiting just because you know Boise's sort of a small market and out of the way market. I think they're still going to be able to recruit just fine. So honestly, I don't see a lot changing. I think if if anything is likely to change. It's some of the some of the other um, you know legislative type things that are coming through the pipe in some places or are already in place in some places. So, like for example, you know, the fact that New Mexico offers you know tuition free college for natives of New Mexico. Yeah, you know that's something like I have to imagine that you know Danny Gonzalez and the rest of that there. coaching staff. You know they've it seems like they have made an emphasis. I think you know what is it two or three years in a row that the Lobos have signed the state player of the year. Yeah, Isaiah, um, Ch- Isaiah Chavez was one who beat your Fresno State Bulldogs a couple years ago. Yeah, or Sorry. <laughs> you know, it, here in California, the fact that there's a, a new bill—I think I, I don't think it's even gone to like a committee yet or anything like that—but th- they call it the College Athlete Race and Gender Equity Act, which would basically set up what they call degree completion funds, and that would basically have the effect of making student athletes employees of the schools for which they play. So it would have an effect on That's Fresno State, San Diego State, and San Jose State. But, and which is not to say that it doesn't have some potential drawbacks. I think one concern of the San Jose Mercury has a really good breakdown of this if you want to go Google it. But basically, like as it's shaped right now, there are concerns that it would put schools in, in California at a financial disadvantage, create you know some problems for you know the non-revenue generating sports like Olympic sports, things like that. So it's like the, these aren't necessarily givens, but those are the kinds of things that are likely, I think, to shape you know, sort of how the Mountain West competes as far as their ability to bring in recruits than, than NIL by itself. I think that is more likely to just kind of sort itself out long run. Yeah, because Jordan, Pitt and Jordan Addison is not happening in the Mountain West to go to USC mm-hmm. or whatever. That type of stuff. Like, the guy's getting big. Because people thought, like, oh, we're going to get this. It's funny because I remember, like, oh, USC, Caleb Williams, or not even him, but before, don't get all these deals. I'm like, no, dude, you're competing with all the Hollywood stars, LeBron James, the Lakers, the Chargers, the Rams, the Kings, the Ducks, you're not the Angels, the Dodgers. Like, no, you're not getting that. So what is now, instead of these kids signing like big deals or whatever you consider a big deal, it's um, it's basically a booster. Like we'll get them back to Mountain West, but Mountain West isn't, there's, I don't know how many rich alumni there are because it could just take one to do a big company like when they do at Miami or BYU where every player that's, on the football team, either A, gets their scholarship paid for if you walk on, or I think it's equivalent to whatever scholarship would be if you're a scholarship player. Mm-hmm. So say BYU is very inexpensive school to go to. It's maybe like, honestly, five or 6,000 a year. It's not very, it's not all that much, but this company in town where I'm at will pay, and they do it for law sports, not just football. I think they do, they do it women's sports, Olympic sports, a bunch of sports. Mm-hmm. So unless there's alumni like that, that could help out where, oh, what, like the New Mexico thing, if it's free tuition in state, well, why would I go to UTEP if I can go to New Mexico or New Mexico State? Why would I go to Akron, random schools that are UMass or UConn, schools that aren't that great? 
would just and maybe you get a scholarship if you do, but why not stay home and you you walk on and you're there for almost if you are a scholarship player. I know mm-hmm. there's different benefits you get within the school itself, but that's the option. But all these guys are doing now, the, the money isn't coming from deals. It's money these guys are paying players directly, essentially. Yeah. That's all this is. Like, oh, I got my collective. I'm going to give this guy $700,000. Or here's the thing, better example I hear. We'd listen to us a ton, or if I read, if read like extra points, Matt Brown's newsletter stuff in there too all the time. But instead of me paying $300,000 for something, I'll, I'll chip in 20 grand a year. And if you have 50 alumni who put in at least 20 <clears> grand, <throat> like that adds up. And yeah. then I can basically buy a recruit like the Jimbo Fisher thing. And then slice bread comments hilarious, which is not far off from the truth, even though he wants to deny it of them building money toward recruits. It's this, the process is not ideal. I know there's a guy from Boise state who wanted to chat with us at one point, but that conversation fell through about kind of their assisting players doing it. Like also if you're these players like mountain West school, like why would I want to spend my season going, getting like four grand? Like, I know that's a lot of money for who would want four grand. I'd want four grand right now. Who cares? That'd be awesome. Right? Like, but if you're so busy during football season or during basketball season, why do I do this? And plus they've all put stuff online, like Twitter, Instagram, they're, they're garbage at it. They're terrible at it. It's like, they're not very good. Very few guys are that creative. You know what I mean? To get value for the books. Now these boosters like, well, if I can just chip in five grand and who cares if it's for my business or not. And then they, they take that kid's name and like, Hey, you're going to, come be on a billboard over here for the my, my portion is for a billboard for my car dealership. My portion here is for my restaurant. He may do a commercial or read a, an advertisement for the radio or TV. Like I'm not even sure if they're even doing that much. It's mm-hmm. almost like the fake jobs. You, what's his name from Oklahoma? Like I forget who it was a while back. I don't think it was a uh, Sam Bradford, but Oh, go get the call. The, the car job at the dealership where you get paid 40 bucks an hour, but you show up twice a week for three hours, but you're getting 30 hours a week. Yeah. And be it is basically what it is. And like if you're within the Mountain West, like you're not getting those type of things aren't happening. Very little. Um, the only area, like the only big markets, like maybe if UNLV wants to do it with like Furtada guys, if they want to build UNLV, they could do it for basketball or football. I know the basketball guys, I think what they get five hundred dollars like a toward a car, either I think so, yeah. like a, something like that. So like there's just we're not against these guys playing, but this to think if impact the Mountain West, like it is gonna impact the four to 10 deals we hear throughout the year or throughout the past month, guys get six, seven figures. It's like, if they get it, I'm fine. But going back to your initial conversation, Matt, these business guys, the market will figure itself out. They're not dummies to make billions or hundreds of millions of dollars to waste every year. Like Phil Knight's not going to spend $10 million a year on bringing players into Oregon. If it's the return is not winning the Pac-12 or winning a national title or competing, if the team goes five and seven, they, they need a new coach every four years. Yeah. They're going to figure it out. But what I think should happen, like it's all the NCAA's fault. Like they could have put in rules in place to pay for place hard to figure out because the collectives, they found that workaround, which NCAA could have put in place where there's no much, like there could still be work around Matt where like the stuff right now, the lawyers put in there, there's no school attached to the contract. There's no city or whatever. So you're just signing with a guy, but the agents aren't real agents. So who's looking out for the kids? Essentially, like, let me give up all my rights to my dude. What now? I can't do this other side deal with somebody. It's only towards you, and that's it. Like, you give up everything for maybe pennies on the dollar. So I think what ultimately should happen is there's talk about the breakaway. Like, I honestly think at this point, NSA wants something to do with this. They don't seem to care. 
in my opinion. They don't have enough people to enforce anything. Like them going back and doing retroactively, like, what are you doing? What's the point? You're not going to go back and find anybody. But the simplest things to do, because you know, state schools, sometimes, like, if you, you know, the USA Today last night was like, here's revenue and money spent and everything. They have all that. Like, there are schools that have to spend the money no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, University of Texas made $100 million. They spent $99.99 million. What are they doing with that money? It's like if they, if they don't use it, they lose it, essentially, some of the funds they get in. And so these guys are like, well, why not just pay these guys directly? But ultimately what it should be done, I mean, tell me if you think this is the right way to do it. I know there's complications of being employees, but I've said this before, like to make it more even, I don't know if they're a big revenue sharing from TV deals, but the schools themselves, there should be a baseline per league. Every guy gets this amount of money. Like say it's 30 grand or 10 grand or 85 grand if you're in the SEC or whatever it may be. You know what league you're going to, you know what you're getting. That would go a long way, I think. To I don't, it's still stuff would still happen, right? But I think that's one way to do it, and then figure out how to where these guys are getting paid, where it's more in line with what's not like, oh, come to here, you'll get money. That's going to happen regardless because they'll just go back to giving cash to everybody. But if kids are knowing come in and getting 10 grand a year, whether they're like a salary essentially, like I think that would, would that you think that would limit any of this type of stuff, or would it still would not matter? I have no idea. Is that a bad idea, though? Like, I mean, I don't. I, don't th- I mean, I don't think so. Especially if you're, <laughs> excuse me. Especially if things are trending towards, you know, treating them more like formal employees. Then, yeah, I think having a baseline does make sense. I don't know. I just the impact. I think I don't want to say impacts overblown. I think the handful of cases are getting more coverage than what might be deserved. Even though those are the biggest glaring problems or issues, not problems, but. uh it's concerned the right way to put it, I guess. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Of how, of how it's getting done. So I don't know. Like within the we'll wrap up here within the Mountain West, it's like, well, okay. Let me ask. Actually, let's end with this because while we, I talked to Ryan Thorburn recently, they had like what five, six, seven guys we talked about going to the portal. Power five guys. Yeah. I don't think any of those guys were going to get money. They were going to get out of what Craig Bull is doing. Uh-huh. Does that seem accurate? I think. Yeah, I think so. Like Zeven Valaday, is he going to Arizona State where they're going to have NCAA sanctions possibly for them? Bring guys on campus during COVID? Like, is Isaiah Nori going, going to Texas to get paid or is going to go play for good teams? He knows it's good. It's a good question. I don't know. I just, it's just such a, I think that my main issue is a jumbled mess with all the rules that there's no rules in place. It's just out in the open now, right? That's all yeah. That, so I don't know. There's, it doesn't impact the Mountain West too much, much but there are ways. It's good. There's going to be changes coming through to better the athlete and, Here's what I think will end up happening. Like the NCAA will, FBS will kind of be its own thing. And whether the Mountain West is part of it, because you had Greg Sinke and uh, who has it, Swarbrick, Notre Dame AD, say, well, all 10 of our conferences do our own thing. Like, I think that's the step. And then having somebody actually in charge of college football needs to be done, not just mm-hmm. the NCAA, which has, is, is half in, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, there's so much to talk about. There's enough to do, but just go read whatever you want to read about NIL stuff and. Hope your team, your guys get paid, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So now we're at the point where let's wrap up here. Is our next show going to be a preview show, Matt? Do we have our calendar set up for this or is this an offline discussion? I got, I have to double check it. So yeah, it might be an offline one. So here's what we're going to do. Um, here's our, our shows in the book. So if you like this stuff, appreciate it. Uh, MWR.com website, MWCR Twitter. We have a fun lit Matt put up together a fun sort of a lists we're doing. What do we have, Matt? Like super seniors, 
You had super sophomores. Is that a misprint or is that correct? No, it's just sort of a, a, a nickname, I guess. Okay. Rather than a formal name. Yeah, we're ranking non-conference schedule, coaches, hot seats, NY6 opportunities, stuff like that. So look for that coming up. We'll do shows about that. But I think our preview season has come up very shortly. So stay tuned. We'll need, uh, if you have ideas, MWC Wire on Twitter to typically we've done polls. Right now we do four teams and kind of rank it out. And so maybe we'll do that again and we'll see. But the offseason is still here, but we'll be previewing the next couple weeks. So we'll see everybody next time. And yeah, just yell at us on Twitter. What do you want us to talk about? MWC Wire. And we'll see you next time.